And you just have to step back with every single real estate transaction and consider the bigger picture, the neighborhood, the amenities, what's going on in that market, what's that market doing. You just have to look at all those those factors. You just can't look at the property and, and be done with it. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's successful real estate professional as they share it with you. Let's go. A quick word from our sponsor, 24 Sound. 24 Sound is technically an audio production company, but they're way more than that. They're there to help you grow your business from audiobooks to podcasts and everything in between. They're flawless as sound engineers and they're strategic as business partners. Visit them at 24sound.com. You can also email them at hello at 24sound.com. And of course, as a best ever listener, you'll get a best ever discount. Mention best ever, and you'll get a 20% discount on your first product. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today's guest, Marco Santarelli. Hi, Marco. Hey, Joe. Thanks for uh, inviting me on the show. Glad to have you. And Marco's joining us from South Orange County, California. He is the founder of Narada Real Estate Investments, which is a nationwide uh, company that provides turnkey property rentals to investors. He started the business in 2004, but he's been investing in real estate for over 20 years. So Marco, with that being said, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Sure. Appreciate it. Um, Well, kind of a long story, but to make it short and sweet, I I jumped into real estate investing at the age of 18 when I could start qualifying for financing. I bought myself a townhome. It was a little rundown, but with the help of some people, I, I gutted it, renovated it, leased it, managed it, held it for a number of years, eventually sold it. And that was a mistake. I should have actually kept it because it just went from probably around forty, fifty thousand when I bought it to about four hundred thousand today. Um, so that would have been a nice piece of real estate to have. But that was my my taste of real estate. And then from there, I bought another property, got my real estate license, sold some real estate. And then you kind of fast forward to the craze of the early 2000s when, you know, everybody and the taxi cab driver was investing in real estate. No offense to taxi cab drivers, just, you know, everybody and their dog was investing in real estate. Um, I, I kind of got the, the, uh, the bite, the itch again to get back into real estate investing quite heavily. So I did exactly that. I started um, investing uh, in early late 2003, early 2004, and I, I started accumulating a bunch of properties. Uh, my high water mark was 84 units, kind of a mix of single family homes, duplexes, fourplexes, and some small apartments. And so that's kind of a, you know what I did. I was co-instructing a foreclosure boot camp in 2004 for Robert Allen. If you if you're familiar with the author, he's got a lot of books out there. Uh, so because of that, I actually met many, many, many real estate investors. It was because of that experience that I realized that there's a niche out there for real estate investors to want turnkey investment properties, not necessarily in their backyard, but something done for them. And that's how this business was born. You live in California. Your turnkey investment properties are not in South Orange County um, because it's tough to cash flow there. How do you find the properties and how do you operate the business living in South Orange? 
Well, the numbers don't make sense in most of the coastal states, what I call bubble markets. You know, the rent-to-value ratios are just so low that it just doesn't make sense. And besides, you know, with four, five, six hundred thousand dollar properties, you can take that same down payment and get yourself two to five properties in other markets that make a lot more sense. But to answer your question, we have close partnerships with uh, new home builders and full-time professional rehabbers in all the other markets that we choose to work in whether it be Dallas, Kansas City, Indianapolis, Atlanta. So because of that relationship that we have in the system that we have in place, we're able to work in the right markets, in the right neighborhoods, with the right properties that are like new, turnkey, and and provide investors with exactly what they're looking for. How do you pick those markets? Again, the short answer, I know we kind of talked about this before the, the, the podcast here, but you know, the the markets have to make sense at a fundamental and economic level. So at the heart of it are jobs and job creation. You have to have a healthy, vibrant economy. If you have jobs and job growth, you're going to have people that live there, work there, can afford to live there. People will move in or migrate to that market. So you have population growth, not just through natural means, but you have in-migration and those people need a place to live. Whether they buy or rent, they need a place to live. So that creates demand for housing. And that's great for guys like you and I and, and all our clients that want to invest in those markets. So the economics are one factor. And then the fundamentals in terms of what's happening with the DNA of that, that market and the health of the housing market. You don't want to go into a market that's extremely sellers, a seller's market or extremely a buyer's market. Now, of course, that depends on your strategy, but at the end of the day, the market needs to be, it needs to make sense, I guess is what I say. Where do you go to identify the job and job creation indicators? The wonderful thing about the internet is that there are a lot of websites um, out there that can give you all kinds of data or, or intelligence. Unfortunately, there's not one website that gives you all the information you want to know, so you kind of have to bookmark a whole list of websites. But some of the websites we use are the, the government websites, like the Bureau of Labor Statistics is one of them. You know, there are kind of citydata.com and other websites like that are okay. But unfortunately, a lot of the data you'll find on there is either too general because it covers a very large metropolitan area or it's dated information. So you kind of have to be careful. But if you just take your time and do your research, you'll find what you need. And from a supply and demand standpoint, where you had mentioned the second component of it is, you know, first job creation and second, you want to make sure the homes aren't ridiculously overpriced because you might be in a great market with a lot of jobs and, you know, it's booming, but there's so little supply that the, you know, the properties are just extremely high, which is the case in, you know, like a New York City, for example, where you're on an island. How do you identify the supply and demand? Uh, a balanced market would typically be three to four months of inventory. Um, if it's, you know, if it's way outside of that, um, you may have a hard time. Like if you only have one or two months of inventory, you might have a hard time finding, you know, um, um, any kind of deal out there or your real estate agent, if you're working with a real estate agent would, you know, have a very hard time finding inventory for you. Uh, but we do, that's some, that's one of the jobs we do in identifying the right markets is, is making sure that there is inventory. Besides, you know, the inventory we have for our, our clients, our investors are all off market. So they're not MLS listed. Uh, there was one other point I wanted to make about that. Uh, oh, the rent to value ratio. This is kind of related to what, what you're asking me. But another thing too is it's not just having inventory in that market. 
but you want to make sure that the rent to value ratio and for your best investors uh, that are listening to the show, the way you figure that out is you take the acquisition price or the purchase price of that property and you divide it by the monthly uh, rent. So for example, if, if it's a $100,000 property and it rents for $1,000 a month, that's 1%. So your rent to value ratio is 1%. To us, that's the floor. You want to ideally have a property that has a 1% rent to value ratio or higher. The higher, the better. Uh, and if you look at a market like where you live in New York, now I'm generalizing here, but again, many areas in New York and, and coastal California, the rent to value ratios are 0 0.5, 0 0.4, 0 0.3. They just it's really difficult, if not impossible, to cash flow in those markets. I love that you pointed that out because that whenever I was investing in single family homes, you know, I, I have some in Dallas, Fort Worth, I would primarily, after running numbers, I would primarily use that ratio as an indicator of if I was going to purchase or not. One thing that I would like to mention, and, and let me know your thoughts on this, but um, I think there's also a ceiling um, you said there's a floor at 1%. I think there's also a ceiling. I don't know what that percent is, but certainly if you're reaching 2%, then you really need to take a hard look at the market because you might be in a sub-market that isn't necessarily the quality that you need from a if, you're, if your strategy is a long-term hold because you're cash flowing to such a degree, it, I would be very suspicious of something to that, that high of level. Yeah, you, you, that's a really good point. You, there's really no ceiling, but when you get into the range of 1.5 to 2% or higher, you have to step back and make sure that you're looking at it properly. Um, I'm not going to, I don't want to pick on specific markets, but there's a lot of markets within, let's say, the, the Rust Belt, nor, the Northeast section of the US, where you have a lot of distressed markets. And, and you could also find this in good markets where you're in really, bad areas, like what I'll call, you know, C or even D grade neighborhoods, where you can pick up property so inexpensively that your rent to value ratio will naturally be very, very high. But here's, here's the consequence of that. Often in those markets, or more specifically in those neighborhoods, you're going to have a type of tenant that is going to be more problematic. You'll have higher turnover, so you'll have more vacancies, you'll have less rental income coming in because you're turning over more often, you'll have more tenant problems in terms of, in terms of late uh, rent payments, or uh, more tenant destruction of your property just because it is a rougher, more distressed type of area and you're dealing with a rougher uh, type of tenant. So based on your experience as a real estate investor, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? I think it's it's my 10 rules of successful real estate investing, which you know we have posted at the top of our blog on our website. Uh, it's there all the time. And maybe if you want to link to it, if we have time, I don't know if we have time, I could run through them. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll, I'll also link to it. But yeah, I'd love to love to hear them. Sure. Okay. I'll go through them fairly quickly, um, only because I could probably spend a whole hour talking about them, but uh, I, we don't have time for that. The first rule of a successful real estate investing is educate yourself. Knowledge is definitely the new currency. And without knowledge, you're going to make a lot of mistakes or fail. It, it'll change you from being a good investor to becoming a great investor. And if you don't educate yourself, you're going to be doomed to follow other people's advice. So that's the first rule. The second rule is set investment goals. I know people have heard this time and time and time again, and it's almost like a uh, sounds like a broken record, but 
statistically, you're far more likely to achieve your financial independence if you write down specific goals and you, you, you read them often and you try to follow them. So a goal is different than a wish. If you write them down, it becomes more tangible. Third, and this is a big one for not only for me personally, but for, for my business, our company and how we work with clients, but never speculate. A lot of investors, even to this day, they haven't learned from what happened you know, in the crash of 06, 07. But never speculate. You don't want to speculate and chase after appreciation. That's dangerous. You know, granted, you know, it's a fast way to build paper wealth, but uh, you have to have a long-term horizon, a long-term perspective in mind. You know, invest in prudent value plays and, and, and just don't chase that appreciation. Fourth rule is invest for cash flow. And this kind of segues from number three. You always want to invest with positive cash flow. It doesn't make sense to have a negative cash flow. I remember investors were always buying property in highly appreciating markets, you know, again, chasing after that, that appreciation, but they had a negative cash flow, constantly putting in two, three, four hundred dollars a month or more just to cover the payment. Cash is king and cash flow is the glue that keeps your investment together. Because remember, at the end of the day, it's your tenant that's buying that property for you. They're the one paying off your mortgage. So your cash flow covers all your operating expenses your debt service, and that allows you to accumulate more and more property, build up your monthly cash flow, which creates a return, and over time, that builds your net worth. The next rule is, uh, is what I call being market agnostic, and, and this is a big thing for our company. We're not going to go after markets because they're sexy or because um, you know there's just something going on there. There's over 400 local markets or MSAs in the U.S. Each market moves up and down independently of one another. So they all have their local factors. You want to pick markets that make sense the day you're buying your real estate investment. So I guess just don't be married. A lot of investors seem to think that they have to invest in their backyard or you know within a half hour or one hour's drive from their home. That's a mistake. A lot of gurus talk about that, but that doesn't make a lot of sense. You want to put your money where it makes it's going to work the hardest for you. And one of the, I've, I've realized that firsthand living in New York City, but investing in, you know, Dallas, Fort Worth, even though I'm from there, you know, I, I, what I always liken it to is pretending or just thinking about what do, uh, REITs, you know, real estate investment trusts do, where are they headquartered and do they only invest where they're headquartered? Well, it's a resounding no. They invest all over the country because they invest as, uh, you know, the, the real estate guys radio, network or radio show. I highly recommend listening to that show if you uh, haven't. Um, But what they say is live where you want to live, but invest where the numbers make sense. And that's always stuck with me. Yeah, actually, that's very similar to my trademark, my trademark saying. Um, Yeah. And just to take what you're saying one step further, there's millions of people that invest in stocks in the stock market or equities in general. The thing is, you're, you're investing in a company that you know very little to nothing about. It's in another city, uh, usually in New York, but they're located in another market that you probably never have never gone to. And that company exists in a city that you probably will never go and visit. So, you know, if you can do that with stocks without even thinking about it much, you should definitely think about doing that with real estate. So the sixth rule is take a top down approach. And, and, And this kind of segues to being market agnostic. And what that means is you know, always start by selecting the best markets that align with your investment goals. Uh, a lot of investors make the mistake of looking at a property and get falling in love with it because it's it's pretty or good. It's got good curb appeal. It's been nicely renovated, or maybe it's new, and the numbers are very attractive on paper. Maybe they're real numbers, 
but they don't stop to consider what is a, what's going on in that market, what's around that that property, what's going on in the neighborhood. Is there a, is it a depressed market? Is it declining? You know, oh by the way, it's in the middle of a war zone in Detroit. Do you still want the property? I've seen investors do that time and time again. Unfortunately, a lot of international investors are constantly being sold properties in many depressed markets like Detroit, and they just don't know better. So take a top-down approach. Start with the city. Work your way down to, uh, you know, uh, the the neighborhood. What's its local economy? Look at job growth, population growth, unemployment, and then you can start looking at properties within those neighborhoods and consider things like the amenities, schools, crimes, rental demand, and that kind of stuff. And then once you know, once you've got that under your belt and you start building your portfolio, the next thing you should do is is to diversify across markets. Now, my rule of thumb is three to five income-producing properties per market. That's kind of subjective. It could be 10, it could be five, it could be three, it could be what, whatever you want. But three to five is kind of what I, I, I just go with. Once you've got three or five or however many properties in a particular market, then move to another geographically different market that has its own local economy. And usually that means you're going out of state. So if you're investing in Houston or Dallas, maybe you'll want to invest in Indianapolis or Kansas City. Those are all markets that we offer. And, and build up your portfolio there and then move to another market. And, and that's how you diversify within this asset class as real estate. And, and, you know, that helps reduce your risk, quote unquote. And I say risk in quotes because with real estate, you have a great ability to control your downside or your risk. It, it's one of the few investments that actually allows you to do that. Aid is pretty straightforward, and that's use professional property management. Unless you're a property manager yourself, I, I don't recommend for most people uh, that they manage their own properties. Uh, it, it is an absolutely thankless job. You know, you have to have a really good understanding understanding of tenant landlord laws. You have to have good marketing skills, people skills. You have to understand how to deal with tenant complaints and excuses. And at the end of the day, your time is extremely valuable. I think you should spend your time with your family or on your career or looking for more property instead of, you know, just managing your properties. Now, the exception to that rule is if you're a full-time real estate investor and you actually have the time and experience and expertise to do it, then go ahead. But, you know, it's not for me. Uh, ninth is maintain control. A lot of people don't think about this, but I, I do recommend being a direct investor. And you can't do that with many other asset classes like stocks, bonds, mutual funds, that kind of stuff. But with real estate, you can. You, you're, you can own it. You control it. You're the boss. You call the shots. Otherwise, you're leaving it up to corporations and fund managers to manage your investments. Now, I know you have a syndication, Joe, and you're, you know, so you're putting together a partnership, and that's fantastic. Uh, and, and there are many, many people out there that want to invest in those. Uh, if they have a good grasp of what's going on, and there's that trust and rapport, and they've done their due diligence, you know, God bless them. Uh, but for most people, I don't recommend investing in funds or partnerships or paper-based investments because you, you give up control. And, and lastly, you know, leverage your investment capital. The beautiful thing about investment, uh, real estate investments is, is you can use or borrow other people's money to purchase and control income-producing property. You really can't do that with any other asset class. Banks are more than willing to lend you up to 80% of the purchase price, and, and that's incredible. And that what it does is it just magnifies your overall rate of return, and what that does is it accelerates your wealth creation. Ten very good tips, and uh, I actually agree with you on maintain control. I think it's it's important to maintain control, and that's why I 
do what I do, regardless of how many times we say maintain control, just certain lifestyles for investors where they just don't want to deal with, you know, the whatever, uh, whatever their circumstances, they'd prefer to do a syndic- invest in a syndication. Um, but I absolutely agree that the, you know, the power is in the, the person who controls it. Ultimately, there's a, that structure is there for a reason because there are people out there who want to invest in syndications. But um, I think there's there's certainly two sides of the fence on that. Are you ready for the best ever lightning round? I'm ready. A quick word from our best ever sponsor. Best ever listeners, if you want to grow your business, you need an audio product. Contact 24sound at 24sound.com for a free consultation. And remember, you'll get 20% off your first product just by mentioning best ever. Best ever book you've read. Well, this I struggled with this question. It, it's hard to answer that with only one book because I really like the Rich Dad series of books. It, I think they're great foundational material, especially for someone who's new. So although I recommend the Rich Dad series, I, I would say if I had to pick one book, it would be The Millionaire Real Estate Investor by Gary Keller. And best ever listeners, you can go to freebesteverbook.com and get a free audio version of a book like that. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it. Embarrassingly, it was in investing, kind of jumping ahead of myself and investing in a depressed market. You know, it was a mistake. You learn a lot from that. And that's how we ended up coming up with those 10 rules of successful real estate investing and coming up with our, our methodology, our system that we literally hold our, not almost literally, <laughs> fundamentally hold our clients by their hand and walk them through the entire purchase process when they're investing and building their portfolio. But I learned the hard way by investing in, de- in a depressed market. It's easy to buy real estate. It's hard to sell or get rid of that property, especially if it's a problem property. So that was my personal growth experience. It's, it, was, it was investing in a depressed market. I don't recommend you do that. <laughs> Best ever success habit you practice? Plan your day the night before and then work your plan each day. That's exactly what I do. I write out a, a list of things the night before and then every month at the end of the month or at the beginning of the month, I have a dry erase board and I write out all the different, about five or six different objectives that I want to achieve for that month. And then at the end of the month, I see how I did. Uh, and it's it's great to track. It's more powerful to do it in the evening than, than wake, waking up in the morning and thinking about, you know, what you have to do or making your list, you know, in the morning. Best ever deal you've done? Uh, purchase a 20-unit apartment building with no money down. How'd you do it? Um, I was kind of fortunate in that the seller was willing to sell the property at a discount. He wasn't giving it away. He was still making a profit, but he needed to unload some properties and this was a property that he was willing to sell to me at a discount. So what I did is I actually offered him a marked up price, uh, which would cover my down payment. And I, what I did is I worked it out with him where he would give me back my down payment at the close. I can't remember how they worded it on the HUD, but it had to be worded in a way that was acceptable to the underwriting department of the lender. And I think it was a deferred maintenance rebate or something to that effect. At the end of the day, what that really was, was a cash back to me at the at the close for the amount that I had put down. So it was basically just creative financing that I was able to do. And the property appraised. So it's not that, 
you know, it was, uh, you know, a fishy deal or anything. Best ever quote. A kind of a self selfish answer here, but, uh, you know, that would be my trademark saying, and that is live where you want, invest where it makes sense. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? I, well, I think that kind of goes back to my, uh, the answer to the personal growth question. I wasn't expecting this question, actually, to be honest with you. <laughs> I think it would be the same thing, investing in a depressed market. I mean, that, that to me, was a big mistake. I, I, didn't, I was too busy looking at the trees in spite of the forest. And you just have to step back with every single real estate transaction and consider the bigger picture, the neighborhood, the amenities, what's going on in that market, what's that market doing. You just have to look at all those, those factors. You just can't look at the property and, and be done with it. What's your favorite color? Purple. Royal purple. <laughs> I wanted to ask you one more question you weren't expecting. All right. Yeah. What's, what's, what's the best ever place to reach you? Um, probably our website, noradarealestate.com. Norada is not a common word, but it's N-O-R-A-D-A, noradarealestate.com. All right. Well, thank you so much, Marco, for being on the show. And best ever listeners, as always, for December, you can go to besteversurvey.com and fill out the survey and you'll be entered to win Brandon Turner's ebook, Investing in Real Estate with No and Low Money Down. And definitely go say hi to Marco at his website. Um, if you weren't able to write down all those tips, then you can go to the website and get the tips for yourself. So thanks so much, Marco, for joining us. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for the invite, Joe. Take care. Hey, you, best ever listener. Do you want more? Then head to JoeFairless.com, where there are tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And if you want Joe to personally help you reach your goals, then go to the Work With Joe tab on JoeFairless.com and apply to, well, Work With Joe.